1: pass khave shohana
2: eta michale ki marvadim astala je suis allemandez vous cha no daba charu mala eshifto im zigdearet sadina stava timkor the Lord I'm la
1: Koy nos no lak nani. Oh, I always be on a lebusham. Ahat is hak leyo mak koye. Oh, I pee up as chobbe chokma. Behesoidas reseda.
0: in the a.m. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos on this March the 9th, day 22 in the month of Adar, the year 5778, and Ches. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayakel and Pekude as we close out the book of Shmos. It's also Erev Shabbos Parshas Para. Candle lighting at 536 in the New York area. It won't be this early for a while as we uh, change the clock, so to speak. Daylight Savings Time begins, uh, in the uh, New York area at least, begins on a Sunday night. Excuse me, Saturday night, Sunday morning. And um, the seven-hour difference between the New York area and Israel will turn into a six-hour difference for a short while. When is uh, Daylight Savings Time over in Israel? Let's see if we can find that out quickly. Uh, Sunday, uh, Friday, March 23rd. Yeah, a couple of weeks. Actually, two weeks from today. So it'll be a six-hour difference until uh, Israel springs forward, and uh, then it'll be back to a seven-hour difference. Anyway, candlelighting at 536. Rosh Chodesh Nisan is next Shabbos. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow again. Rosh Chodesh Nisan is Next Shabbos, 30 degrees, 75% humidity, Windsor West at 11 miles an hour. Morning clouds, afternoon sun, a high of 45, then tonight clear, low 31. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high temperature 45 degrees. Not bad. 57 in Yerushalayim, where they have completed the Jerusalem Marathon. Congratulations to Rabbi Yigal Siegel and all his colleagues for completing the race. And here in New York City, 30 degrees on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos. Uh, J.M. from Teaneck is on the app. Wants to hear some of Remo and Eighth Day, of course. <laughs> My son, J.M., writes, just ran in the Jerusalem Marathon to help raise money for a Jerusalem charity. So please play a song about Jerusalem. All right, we'll try to do that. Um, all right, so that's the story. The uh, Yeshiva League Championships uh, was on the phone late last night with Seth Gordon, the commissioner. Uh, they will get these basketball games in uh, somehow in the next few days. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to uh, broadcast them. May come from a different outlet. We'll see. Uh, The hockey championships a week from Sunday, we are still committed to broadcast and uh, bring to you via com. So we'll give you an update, I guess, Monday morning on the entire picture, as the weather has certainly affected the Yeshiva League playoffs, to say the least. Uh, Also, don't forget this coming Sunday. Sunday will be at... The mega event. The mega is uh, the nickname for the massive event at John Jay College that promotes Aliyah, that uh, gives you a an inkling uh, into the process of moving to Israel from North America, all courtesy of our friends at Nefesh Benefesh. Go and make sure to be part of the uh, John Jay College gathering this coming Sunday in Manhattan. And you'll be able to explore the... Uh, you'll be able to explore the um, possibility of moving to Israel from North America with Nefesh B'Nefesh and utilizing their help. It's 40 days till the uh, Israel 70s celebration on Yom Ha'atzmood. Utilize this period of time to start your own journey to the Holy Land. And the Nefesh B'Nefesh could certainly be of help. Malcolm Homeline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents, of major American Jewish organizations, will join us 7.40 Eastern time. We'll do the weekly update and go through some of the news of this week. And um, so he'll join us coming up. Rabbi Fast is going to join us from Nefesh Benefish in the 7 o'clock hour, which I very much look forward to. I'll encourage everyone to be there on Sunday. Rabbi Yudin, of course, coming up at 8.15 with the Torah portions of the week. And we'll close out J.M. and A.M. at 9 o'clock and then get started with an amazing day on the Nahum Siegel Network. All right, so we got the whole schedule. We got everything down pat. Here we go. Plenty more coming up. It is a Friday, Erev Shabbos, and it's J.M. and the A.M.
3: On not the We go to see Tu fo moji nudzno ne
1: That's The Yenay Kadesh. Ashtay Lachem Yiv to Simime. Ashtay Lachem Yiv to Simime. Tanzanet Huba, Nikol Yamim, Kiva, I shall basurai laam. Tanzanet Huba, Nikol Yamim, Kiva, I shall basurai laam. The home ash by Kikel i tyne chowajny wejkiem Beg ja był bośćem fókiem, pozorny dognych Mika Yomim Ki Vaishabas Torai Lame Oh Yawamim, tailu tosi yo i <laughs> Was to do love me, was love me, it to use me me It to use me me Jetzt bin ich und du call your me die love me i are the one who's <laughs> the one who's Mali, she said, Ki, Keli, Tim, Lechol, Boy, Lechem, Kuki, Boss, <laughs> Ara, Dogi, Lechol, Zem nechubad mikol yom Ki boi shob Az zur oilom Zem nechubad mikol yom Ki boi show us the i you Synchro and gas le gas umale
0: J.M. in the a.m., Veheyshev and Merakeh done by Simcha Liner. You heard David Gabe in there with Yomzeh, Yisrael Werdiger, Usher Sharf, Baruch Levine, all with versions of Yomzeh on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos. That's right, the best Erev Shabbos selections on this of Shabbos. Parshas Vayakel and Pakude, Parshas Parah as well, with candle lighting at 536 on this of Shabbos here in the New York area. We change the clock tomorrow night, go to Daylight Savings Time. We'll bench Rosh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Nisan will be next Shabbos. Rosh Chodesh Nisan is next Shabbos. Galat Sal in the background, we'll do our news from Israel coming up. And of course, Malcolm Holmline will join us, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, 7.40 Eastern Time. Rabbi Yudin coming up at 8.15 this morning. And don't forget, Sunday we are live, 1 p.m. Eastern Time from... The NBN, nefesh benefesh Mega Event. Galay Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2PM Newscast for a Friday, is next at JMN.
4: Galay Tzal, 2 p.m., here is Nesher, what is happening right now. Veterinar from the top of the moon, who created the winter as a matter of honor in the We wrote Mandel.
5: הטירנאר דמות מוקרת במצפון ניצار לפנוד בוקר בצדת אופנה בנגוריון כשישר מיכול. המשטרה מייחסת לו מיסпар מarseille אונס של בד זוגה וקחנ תקיפות מיניות שביטיא ליח אורabi לדב. בולא ביתו משפטה מחוזי שדנ בארר על מאצרא קיבלה Темדצ סנגורו ארץ אחדים רונן חליבה שמינייהי אישה פסולים ובקירסטה ישננת היהות בוד המשטרה לאusta דבר לבדוק את קירסטה. ביתו משפטה קורא ל veterinär לישות בממצר בית בקיבוץ בורמิดגוריר למשך שבוע.
0: Al-Maliki said that the American people met in Jerusalem as <laughs> a war. We wrote Ariel Ziegler. In a statement, <laughs> the Palestinian leader <laughs> maliki maliki israeli
4: מתאמ בולות אומן בسورיה תומן כי אופיצצות מונוט מישיירה ציורו לאגיאל פרבריק דמסק וקורה לפצקת אש. כתבנו ירדת מונח
6: מיאל. המתאמ אלי אזזתاري אומר כי אופיצצות החלו למותי כל הצדדים כולם רוסיה יפתחו לחבדו תスキ מפצקת האש. צודת לאחר שירגון הברית האולמי התריא מיפני אלייה בתדירות תקפת מתקנים רפואים בسورיה. בפברואר מתקנים רפואים אמבולנטיים ומחסנים הודקפו כי 39 פהמים מתחנ 28 כובניק לפה מופלות נזורה בשליטת המרדים שבע. Tovar read
4: המוזיקהי קובי אוז מחריץ כי בחבנתו לא יצטרף למפלגה החדשה שיתאכימ חברת הכנסת אורי ליבי אבקסיס. כתבתו ארדן בואיתנau. סולן לחקת ייפק צפוי ליצטרף לרשימת המясדים במפלגה הiddit שמובילו חברת הכנסת ליבי אבקסיס. בודאי שפירסמח חברת הכנסת מוקדם יותר השבוע. המפלגה מדברת צפוייה להתמקד בקשייה ה periphery ובהחסัย שלטון לדבריה. קובי אוז ידוע בקיבוץ כפעיל לסחר בנהדות המזרח. אחזו הכל קבונו טוב, לישת תעבבה פוליטית אממש סדד. בשעה זו מתקיים תקיס פרסיה אקדמיאלי לה텔יביזיה. כתבתנו ניקולו ביני נמצאת שם. כמו קומедיה, זחטה הסדרה ש about פנקיים. ביותר, התסריט אבימוי והשחקנים טוב ביותר. בפרצת השחקנית הקומית טובה ביותר, זחטה מגי א zarzar. סדרת הילדים אלישא גרפאה בפרצת הסדרה הקומית ביותר, ובחפרצת השחקן ש ניטן ליווול סימו, ופרצת השחקנית לריף קמחאל יבאת השיבים ותשא. ובחפרצ מגזין אפנאי, זחטה תחנית הבודיקה, ארע טוב בחזין מזג האוויר בסוף השבוע תורגש ירידה ניכרת בטמפרטורות שתהיינה רגילות לאונר. בצפון ייתכן טפטוף. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת. בירושלים ב-57 דקות, בתל אביב ב-5 ו-2 דקות, בחיפה ב-5 דקות, ביבר שבע 5 ו-25 דקות. בצוות איטי אל דינר
1: כבר אין עוד כוח, לפעמים הכל נורא יש ימים שבא לברוח, יש ימים שאין ברירה אל תדאגי יהיה בסדר, בסוף הכל עובד עוד רגע זה מגיע, אתה כבר מתגבר מתפלל בכל הכוח, רוצה לבקוד ממש זה הלב שלא שוכח, אני נסער נרגש פתאום מתוך החושך עולה מהתאור. All the a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a of a little bit of of shockea sol l'colcajamok me capese ta chuva ol les colcajrahou beseder vas so fa o drega ze magia atta kvar mi gaber lo sei naile mala el lever he harim matai disma coli core le lo chim vitom mi tocha he ie ie
0: in the (coughs) a.m. oh there we go friday morning broadcast uh on this era of shabbos parshas by yakel and pakude tulsa parshas para candle lighting 536 won't be this early for a while as we uh, go to daylight saving time tomorrow night 2 a.m. will become 3 a.m. tomorrow night keep that in mind um before the uh Hashem Melech selection done by Mordechai Shapiro. You heard Micha Gammerman in there. That was uh, Yihye Tov. Rifa'enu done by uh, Uri Davidi off of Shire Pinchas volume number three here at Jm. the will Ben Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. or Rosh Chodesh Nisan will be next Shabbos, which means we are uh, three weeks away from the Seder. Three weeks from tonight's Seder night. Getting ready for the big holiday of Pesach as we get closer and closer to the big holiday. Uh, So Monday we'll have a complete update regarding the Yeshiva Leagues. Uh, As you know, the weather this week played games with the games. Uh, So basketballs uh, championships will not be taking place this Sunday. We will um, update you on Monday morning exactly what the schedule is. Next Sunday we will be doing the hockey games. We'll see about the basketball situation. Um, we'll figure it out. Yeah, there's a lot to figure out. We'll figure it out. And the Yeshiva League Sports, uh, under the leadership of uh, Seth Gordon, will make its decisions regarding the uh, the scheduling of all the uh, semifinal and final games. Um... I want to thank those who have uh, supported our uh, radio efforts by going to fjbunity.org. Go to Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org, and make a donation to keep us going here at jm and the AM and the Nachum Segal Network. It's much appreciated. Nevish benevish mega event this coming Sunday, John Jay College in New York City, as we stand 40 days away from Israel 70. Think if uh, Israel is in your future. If, in fact, you believe it is, Nefesh Benefesh is the place to be at John Jay is coming Sunday for the mega event. We'll be broadcasting from there starting at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Table for two with Naomi Nachman today, which starts at 9 o'clock, will feature Gabe Geller from Royal Wines and Pessie Einhorn from Keiko. And I remind you that Naomi has an amazing book entitled Perfect for Pesach. It's a cookbook, which, in fact, is perfect for Pesach. Uh, Pesach's three weeks from tonight, make sure you have the book, Naomi Nachman, very successful uh, launch last year, and now is the perfect time of year for you or for a friend or relative to get perfect for Pesach. Erev Shabbos, uh, show hosted by Mark Zamek, brought to you by our friends at Kedem, that goes from uh, 10 a.m. on, and of course our Erev Shabbos music mix as well. By the way, Charlie Harari, who has a brand-new book, Unlocking Greatness, you may have seen this on my uh, Facebook profile. I posted proudly when I received the book yesterday. Um, so Charlie Harari, who uh, proudly is releasing Unlocking Greatness, will be in this studio tomorrow morning. <laughs> tomorrow morning. Uh, Monday morning here, here at JM in the AM. That's right. Charlie Harari, Unlocking Greatness. It's a brand new book. He will be uh, in studio this coming Monday morning here at JM in the AM. Make sure to be uh, tuned in. Should be a very, very interesting conversation. 22 minutes after 7 o'clock, Rabbi Fass is going to join us from Israel. Malcolm Holmline will join us for the weekly update. By request on the app, Yali Greenfeld at JM in the AM.
3: Shetikhade Shaley knew as a hoidah shazer. Ahoidah shahoidah
1: shazer. Shetikhade The
0: Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, a song dedicated by Leif Tahar to the uh, memory of uh, Chaim Lobo Silber. There it is, perfect for a day that we are preparing for Shabbos Mavarchim, and that is Chaim Shel Shalom, Birch uh, done by uh, Leif Tahar here at JM in the AM. Before that, you heard the Leif Tahar L'Chad Odi, Sheyu, by request on our app at Yoyli Greenfeld. want to thank... Um, Listener Yitzchak for uh, suggesting it. Friday morning, uh, with candle lighting at 5.36. We'll change the clock tomorrow night, 5.36 for now. That's candle lighting here in the New York area. Rosh Chodesh Nisan again next Shabbos. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. We close out the Book of Shmos tomorrow with Vayakal and Pakude plus Parshas Parah, a very, very uh, active Shabbos, a very full Shabbos, and... Um, And um, we are getting ready for that. Three weeks from tonight, three weeks from tonight is the uh, is the Seder. Pretty amazing, huh? Malcolm Homeline will join us. He's Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Uh, he'll join us coming up. Full schedule, of course, all through the day. Naomi Nachman with the table for two coming up at 9 o'clock. She'll have a Gabe Geller of Royal Wine. Pessie Einhorn from Keiko, and a reminder that uh, Naomi has a great book for Pesach, a cookbook, perfect for Pesach is the name of it. Check it out. Speaking of books, Charlie Harari's out with Unlocking Greatness. We've invited him for a Monday morning to our studio. He'll be here to celebrate the release of a brand new book, Charlie Harari, Monday, here at JM in the AM.
1: Malar
2: better go on yet in Ivan. Let not have a head so cold as
1: شي حدش مش عم نشي شي حدش ييفانه moving on another moving on another ييفانه راغما نانقش بس برقنيس علف راغما نانقش بس
0: Sham and the Amit shall with Yibane. Before that, Sandy had Adon Olam. came from Leif Tahar. Friday morning on the Erev of Shabbos, closing out the Book of Shmos. Vayakel, Pekudei, also Parshas Parah. Candle lighting at 5:36. We'll change the clock tomorrow night. It'll be a six-hour difference between us and the state of Israel for a couple of weeks. Israel changes to daylight saving time uh, two weeks from today. Two weeks from today. Israel will change. We'll go back to a six-hour difference. Uh, Yeshiva League Sports Championships, of course, uh, as many of you know, if you've been listening all week, uh, have been messed up by the storm this week. Uh, So they didn't take place last night as scheduled on our network, and they're not taking place this coming Sunday as scheduled on our network. Um, So we're going to work out and get all the ducks in a row over the weekend with uh, Commissioner Seth Gordon of the Yeshiva League. And uh, then announce on Monday exactly what the story is and what you should expect. And we will get that done and uh, hopefully uh, in an an efficient fashion, I hope. And we'll get the uh, latest to you in terms of when you could view what uh, in terms of Yeshiva Sports. Don't forget this coming Sunday we'll be live at the mega event with Nefesh Ben Nefesh. We'll start there at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And Rabbi Fass will join us in the 8 o'clock hour this morning. He will join us in the 8 o'clock hour this morning. We'll get to our weekly update in a second. I just want to mention, I saw both Ronnie and Larry Burnbaum yesterday, and they uh, let me know about the Flatbush Park Jewish Center's 66th anniversary dinner coming up on Sunday night. It starts at 6 p.m. And um, you're all invited to participate in this legendary synagogue's anniversary dinner. From what we heard yesterday, it's a uh, Baruch Hashem. A big success. And uh, Larry Birnbaum and Ronnie, of course, and Edward Weiss and those who are involved, to you for making it a big success. Information for the Flatbush Park Jewish Center dinner for Sunday night, 718-444-6868, 718-444-6868. Also want to wish a Mazel Tov to the Kasovitz family and all the honorees of the Mayono dinner tomorrow night. Mayono Yeshiva High School dinner is tomorrow night. Mazal tov to all the honorees. Information to myanot.org. dot I want to thank our friends at jewishworldreview.com. If you're looking to check out millions of articles about Israel over Shabbat, print them out from jewishworldreview.com. And of course, only com continues to utilize a whole bunch of content from our network in their amazing news feed that covers not only some but a whole bunch of stuff from around the Jewish world. Check it out. Today at only Malcolm homeline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of presidents of major American Jewish organizations joins us for the weekly update on this uh, Friday morning mr. Holline welcome back to jm in the a m thank you the uh, we'll talk about the APAC uh, get together in a minute uh, are are you um, are you appreciating the media's uh, declaration of a farewell tour for Prime Minister Netanyahu. <laughs> it seems it seems like this visit to the U.S., acknowledged by the New York Times and others, uh, is their big farewell. This is his chance to say goodbye to the political world. And I, I thought this may just be a bit premature. What did you think?
5: Well, certainly premature, and anybody who counts out Netanyahu or tried to do it in the past, I think, uh, paid a price for it. And... Uh, uh, although one could say that it's not an irrational conclusion to say that the the situation is different now and that he is under tremendous pressure, though he he is able, it seems, to compartmentalize his his problems and not to, to manifest it. Certainly, didn't in Washington and um, in his visit, brief visit in New York. So uh, and focused on on the substance, whether it's the Saudi nuclear program or. The Iranians in Syria or the other issues that that he raised uh, during his visit. so the the political situation is certainly serious, and he was questioned right before he left uh, last Friday.
0: Uh, but this is uh, I think it's premature to draw conclusions. It's interesting because I, I don't know if during his entire tenure he's ever enjoyed more of symbolic strength than when he's sitting in the White House next to President Trump. And essentially enjoying uh, you know a love fest from the Washington establishment, it seems, White House, Congress, etc, uh, you know, toward him. and it's not a love fest because they really think he's retiring as the New York Times thinks. It, it's a love fest because it seems everyone's on the same page at this point, politically in terms of Israel's role in the Middle East.
5: Well, that's largely true. And, and if you notice that uh, the more he gets investigated, the more his numbers go up <laughs> and, they, and the <coughs> each new subsequent, you know several thousand uh investigation you know yeah you the one thousand two thousand five thousand eight and a half thousand uh not to make light of them i mean some of these things are involve serious charges against people, but unless you see a conviction and not even an indictment but a conviction, then you can't draw a conclusion that these are valid or that the charges- uh really come to rest on him. The fact that people turn state state evidence uh You know it seems like a very serious matter, but unless they have something that really indicts that is leads to an indictment and specifically charge and show that um the prime minister is responsible for it uh then they don't much have, have much of a case and right. the Uh, talk still exists about going to an election soon. Right.
0: All right. So again, we'll get back to what happened in Washington in a minute, but now that we're already on it, it seems like a deal's in the works. It seems like uh, there's a coalition deal uh, that's going to solidify this very shaky coalition. And by early next week, it looks like this government, if everybody involved wants it to survive, will survive.
5: Right. Nobody really wants to go to elections at this time in Israel, but the uh, you know, the the circumstances are such that there could be a break. And today Lieberman said we're not going to give in to the Haredim. The Haredim is not going to give in on some of the key issues, especially about the draft law. So you don't know. I mean, it has happened before. And
0: but doesn't it seem to you that there's enough support for this new adjustment to the draft law to, in fact, keep the coalition together?
5: I do believe that there's right now uh, um, no real incentive because it shows that uh, Likud would essentially end up where it started. Right. Everybody else would end up. So, that, well, what's the gain if you go to elections uh, that you know are, are inconclusive as we are now?
0: Right. I'm not sure this is what you're alluding to, but 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 it, it, it seems obvious that once this whole all, what all these negotiations end early next week, that we're basically going to have the same draft law we had years ago, right? It looks like we're heading back to that same. Type of format.
5: That's what it looks like, but again, there are forces at play here trying to press for uh, on on different aspects of this that um, you know could make it difficult for for the artists to stay in or for others to go along with it.
0: So the more things change, the more they stay the same. And again, we learn the lesson of the importance and the influence of the religious parties in Israel. It is really for those who saw you know everything going in a certain direction. It's amazing how this tide is now turning. So.
5: It is always interesting in Israel. It's never boring. But not if, if it isn't the international scene or the threats, right. certainly the domestic politics are a full-time job.
0: All right, so um, the AIPAC uh, conference begins last Sunday, and it seems that there's 18,000 people you know, in the room, so to speak, who are staunch supporters of Israel, m- most likely with a right-wing bent. I don't know if you'll, you'd agree with that analysis, but you could tell us if, if it's even important whether... Uh, there's a right- wing bent in the room and uh, we know how the Trump administration is now viewing the Middle East peace, uh, the Middle East scene rather. and even stuff that remain items that remain unspoken, you know, seem to be obvious in terms of the uh, uh, attitude toward the quote unquote Palestinian state. We know what the, the Israeli administration the Prime Minister Netanyahu thinks in terms of the viability of a real negotiation in the Palestinian state. and yet the leader of APEC goes, you know, speaks publicly and makes sure to mention that the ultimate goal is in fact a two-state solution. Got a lot of uh, flack for it. Was it a mistake for him to do it?
5: As a judgment he has to make, he got um, uh, more applause from part of the audience for his comments about settlements and about some other issues. Um, there clearly was an attempt to reach out to the broader uh, spectrum of people uh, that the obviously the uh, Trump administration came in for lavish praise from many of the speakers, especially about the Jerusalem issue and also their backing, and people like Pence, Vice President Pence and Ambassador Haley got um, huge responses, others as well. Uh, but it was clearly an attempt to, to reach out to this segment, and I think that's it, it, my explanation, at least, for why uh, the comments were made to, to uh, reflect that.
0: And you're willing to explain it. You may not be willing to analyze it, but if one would analyze it, uh, often we say, especially when it comes to politics and policy, that it's a good idea to play to your base and strengthen that base, especially when you have people on both sides of the ocean, Israel and Washington, having your back on this issue. And exactly the opposite was done. I understand what you're saying in terms of reaching out to a broader spectrum of people, but many would argue that that's a fruitless uh, attempt.
5: Well, I, I think we shouldn't uh, overemphasize. You had many sessions, many speakers took very tough lines and, and um, uh, sustained positions uh, across the board. Uh, you, you're referring to the one speech by the the executive of the, of AIPAC. Uh I don't know that you could say the same about the others. And the atmosphere was uh, very uh, supportive. I think the. the it, it uh, underscores the strong pro-Israel bent and, and and reminding that there were many non-Jews in the
0: audience as well. Could you give us a quick analysis of, I, I don't even know if this is fair to put you on the spot like this, but I mean, th- there are journalists, there are columnists who are writing articles about what AIPAC was like and how it suffered, quote unquote, during the Obama administration and how the Obama administration tried to really undermine it. And obviously things could be much different now because of the Trump administration and its attitude toward Israel. It, it, might we be seeing a much different organization because of who's in Washington now?
5: Well, they always have to reflect the, the administration because it's one of the responsibilities, but even more so in regard to Congress. Um, I don't think that the organization, any organizations, really shift that much. They may. Uh, it is true that the, during the Obama administration there was more pressure and perhaps... Um, uh, more distance at times, or, or you know, different directions. But and the job of APEC, which is a lobby, is to to work with the administrations and work with Congress. So th- there is definitely a different atmosphere in Washington, and some people like it, some people are critical of it. But when it comes to Israel, one can't deny that there is a, a very different atmosphere in the statements about moving the embassy. It's only reflective of that. Right. There are areas where we would like to see more, like Iran versus Iran in in Syria. where We've seen them expanding, continue to expand with eighty to 90,000 militia there. We're now the revelations this week, the S-300 in-aircraft right. system is operational, which I got from Russia. <coughs> Sorry. And that they have more advanced, um, uh, these unmanned explosive boats and submarines and, and more, with more advanced torpedoes, uh, naval mines that are much more uh, advanced, and announced that their missile production has increased by three times. And when we see that they have uh, are trying to establish the bases inside uh, Syria and expand their presence there, the fact that they have an air corridor, which we should shut down, which enables them to supply and to provide cover, uh All of these are are critical issues, and one of the folk i will be the the uh, sale to uh, the Boeing sale of aircraft to Iran, which uh there's growing opposition to the sale um because uh, civilian aircraft can be used and have in the past been used. For military purposes.
0: All right. Now that we've drifted into this, and and you've avoided me asking you about the Obama administration undermining APAC, let me ask you: when, when the media reports this missile production's up, the Russia to Iran anti-aircraft missile system now operational, etc., is it as is it as shocking to the authorities as it is to us? I mean, for us, you know, we're reading it; it's like, wow, you know, this came out of nowhere. I would hope that U.S. intelligence and others, you know, are aware for months, if not longer, that all of this is taking place, and that all of a sudden the the switch was flipped, and now that everything is operational.
5: Yeah, most of it should not be shocking and surprising, and and some of this is coming out of the, the DIA and other government agencies. But for <laughs> I'm sorry, but for instance, this week the reports about the chemical weapons, we knew that that Syria has it because they've used it. At least seven times there have been chemical weapons attacks against opposition-controlled areas. But now the reports that Iran and maybe even North Korea is supplying the precursors for it, and that the they have Hezbollah has chemical weapons, which they can affix to short and medium-range missile warheads, and that the Iranians are developing their chemical weapons production and, uh, and facilities in Syria itself um, and, and trying then to transfer or did transfer stockpiles to Hezbollah in Lebanon. So it, is it a surprise? Should it have been a surprise? No. But when you see the reports and people begin to react, now the question is you have a red line. Does the administration act on this red line? I mean, I don't think we can count on the Europeans. They have Chemical weapons is something everybody agrees on, but do you see the likelihood of, of a change here? When they announced not only that they triple missile production, but that they can enrich uranium to 20% in two right. days, uh, what do we do in response to it? What what increased efforts do we make in, in sanctions and making sure the inve- inspection regimes are are working uh, hard? So your question's a valid one. What what do they know and when do they know it? But the the fact is that most of this stuff, should not have been a big surprise
0: uh, and what is and 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 to where do we move the red line then I mean if you were advising Washington for instance or if anybody you know with your base of knowledge uh, you know in in the Middle East would be uh, recommending to the to the White House what to do I mean incre- I know increased sanctions is always on the list and I know that uh, you know questioning the the validity of the nuclear of the Iran nuclear deal is obviously an important part of it Are, what else could we Resort to in order to uh, to strengthen that red line.
5: Well, I don't know that we can count very much on cooperation with the Russians to to achieve it. So it really is up to the United States, the Europeans. You know, have have never proven to have much of a spine, and and when it comes to taking the actual actions that are necessary. Um, although the French were ready to back the United States when in President Obama's days, and when we were about to take action, and then at the last minute. Uh, reverted and reversed the uh, the guns and called off the action about the chemical weapons and use of chemical weapons in uh, in, in Syria. So the the sanctions are, uh, should not be dismissed. We should see sanctions on the oil sector, on the banking. They have an impact. They were they are having an impact. You saw the internal dissension. We should be encouraging that and supporting the people inside. Um, but it has to be them doing it it shouldn 't be you know an American mm. initiative because right. then they will say well they 're all spies and it 's uh you know uh, they, they will start arresting them as they have uh all along so the there are there are measures that can be taken, but part of the me- message has to be that America has to demonstrate that we 'll act with resolve that we push the Russians that the Uh, You know, we know that they closed that one base that the Iranians tried to build last week, where they would have uh, stored uh, medium and long-range missiles, which would have been in firing distance of of Israel. But at the same time, Iran continues to expand its capacity inside Syria, moving closer and closer to the Israeli border, wanting to be within a night-range attack so that they could... You know, attack some of the communities, villages mm-hmm. across the border, and the um, uh, and uh, we have to see what other allies and things. You know, there are going to be opportunities now with the uh, MBS, uh, the, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia coming, and the uh, leader of UAE and of Qatar. They're all coming now in the next uh, weeks to come, but talking to them about what additional efforts can be made to uh, counter. What scares them as much as Israel, maybe even more, which is the growing Iranian. And by the way, now they talk about a triangle, something mm-hmm. we've talked here about for a long time. But with Turkey, with Turkey, Iran, and the Islamists as posing the danger to the region. And supposedly, um, Mohammed bin Salman, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, and his visit to Egypt spoke about improved relations with Israel. And they're talking about this big new mega city which will be built. On the eastern shore of the Red Sea, I mean, you're talking about a 500 billion dollar undertaking. Um, this will be near the Jordanian border, but it will expand so large that it will reach to the Egyptian border in Sinai. And there are those who talk even about the benefits that will occur to uh, to Israel. And in the future, we could see the energy pipeline that's being built from from the Israeli finds to Egypt and to Jordan could be expanded to this area as well. I mean, a lot of ramifications that could be very interesting and very exciting. Um, And this would be very important also for Egypt's economy.
0: All three that you mentioned uh, are coming to the U.S. will be meeting at the highest level. They'll all meet with the president, UAE, Qatar, and uh, Saudi Arabia?
5: Right. And if it's successful, then they may have a summit meeting in May at Camp David. If it's not, then uh, I guess they won't have the summit meeting. But they, they all have their own agendas. They'll be um, I know the Saudi Crown Prince will be here touring in the United States, visiting different cities. Uh, the <clears throat> and uh, I, I don't know what the plans of the others are, but this clearly is a you know the the president has called for an end to the conflict between Qatar. Uh, with Saudi Arabia, UAE, Egypt, etc., etc., which Iran and Turkey are both exploiting uh, the opportunity. But there are fundamental issues, and until those are resolved, I don't see that we're going to see an end to this.
0: America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world and the web at com on the NahumSegal Network, and, of course, on the Beloved NSN app. Friday morning, Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. President of the United States has accepted Kim Kim Jong-un's invitation to discuss the North Korean nuclear program. Was it uh, a mistake or was it the right thing for the president to accept that invitation?
5: Well, we don't know all the details, but uh... you know the idea, the picture of the president with Rocket Man. <laughs> so maybe, maybe his tactic worked. Maybe they, you know they're giving it credibility. The question is, what they're asking and demanding. Originally, they talked about dismantling America's uh, missile program and mm-hmm. nuclear programs, etc. I think now they're talking about much less ambitious uh, uh, quid pro quos. Um, but you know, we'll see with time whether there's this is a serious effort on their part, a uh, part of North Korea, or is it? Uh, it and, and is it because the sanctions have really been impactful, and that uh, they see the difficulties that they face within the country? You know, it's a poor country; it has minimal resources, dependent upon China for eighty percent of its energy and imports. So there are a lot of things that could be motivating uh, this move.
0: Are the uh, sanctions uh, of this administration against North Korea much different than the Obama administration? Were there back then? Of
5: course. We've had sanctions on North Korea for a long time.
0: So are they much much worse than they were are they much more difficult i'm trying to understand you i don't,
5: really don't know uh, the, the details of the sanctions that will follow the north korea situation I have too much to follow in I'm, the I'm uh, trying to, other regions I'm trying to, <laughs> that are so complicated and, and uh, but there is well i'm trying to know the linkages that it's not as if north korea and the reason why we follow north korea at all is because north korea and iran have a synergistic relationship in terms of the missiles that Iran uses are based on North Korea's model, that they uh, exchange information on the nuclear program if they don't coordinate. And if you remember, the the, the nuclear um, reactor that they, the Israelis took out, the facility they took out in Syria, was a North Korea project. Right. And North Korea involved also, perhaps, in this chemical weapons, as I mentioned
0: uh, before. The reason I ask that is because I'm trying to understand is North Korea now coming to the table exclusively because of the tough talk of President Trump or are things you know uh, are, are, are things practically much different for them than they were a couple of years ago in the past administration
5: well I think they take the president very seriously and that uh, his focus on them uh, the rhetoric uh, rhetoric does matter but uh, on the ground uh, impact is much greater and if the sanctions are biting and they see that they're serious and that he's helping and now they want to try to avoid this next round of joint military exercises which go on every year between the United States and and South Korea. Uh, look, if it, if it works, it'll be a great coup for the president. Right.
0: Why does Hezbollah fear that Israel's attacking them in Lebanon soon?
5: Because Israel may well have to Build, given the build-up and the fact that they are placing rockets in 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 villages, that they are expanding it, and Palestinian uh, Islamic Jihad and the uh, other groups are are doing it as well. That there is um, uh, growing um, evidence that they are trying to build up their placement. I don't believe that Hezbollah wants to attack now, and don't believe that they yet want a war and want a war with Israel. But the fact that you have 100,000 missiles that you have. A growing threat because of Iran and Iran's build-up in Syria and along the Israeli border, Jordanian border as well. Uh, Israel can't wait until after an attack, Uh, so Israel has warned them repeatedly, consistently. They've taken steps along the border to to, um, strengthen it and to, to. be able to resist an attempt to cross for board, cross border raids but the the greater danger is that you could have a rogue event you could have uh, firing missiles and when you have such a huge capacity and it's in people's homes and it's in underground facilities in in southern lebanon and the growing presence in Syria itself is creating a circumstance and I think Israel is sounding the warning to to make sure they understand that uh what the consequences uh Will likely to be, but it's it, you know it's no longer a hypothetical danger, and the growth of the military presence in, in these countries uh, in in Syria and, the, and in Lebanon and in Iraq, and we have an election coming up in Iraq, and if a more pro Iranian regime is elected, it will also add to um, uh, to the danger. Sure. You know, you saw in Bahrain this week that they arrested uh, over a hundred people, which who were part of an armed network. By Iran's Revolutionary Guard, who want to overthrow the government of Bahrain, the the growth of of Iranian efforts in uh, other countries as well. These are, uh, you know, we know the aggressive intent and the ultimate design that Iran has. Their question is, when is it practical for them to be able to move? And it may not be because they want to go out war. They would like a raid across the border, kidnap people, soldiers do something against one of the communities uh, close to the border and Israel of course is taking all the steps necessary to prevent that.
0: So unlike Syria where we've actually seen action there's been no action from Hezbollah in the north but the, the the longer they continue to build up their missile supply and place them in key areas the more likely Israel is to attack. If there was some type of real action like we've seen from Syria, then Israel would have no choice but to retaliate immediately.
5: Well, you also have the new guidance systems which make the missiles more accurate. You know, it used to be that they could just shoot and they would land in the fields and stuff. Now they, have great, uh, they will have greater accuracy and supposedly trying to affix chemical weapon warheads. And Israel can't wait till they launch. If Israel feels that this something is imminent, then they're going to have to act, which is what Hezbollah. Now responding to the fact that uh, you have this huge build up and uh, and even if it 's not Hezbollah, it could be one of the other groups, but Israel holds them accountable, holds the government of Syria accountable for what happens from uh, Syria, and of course holds Iran accountable has made very clear their their intentions in this regard you know this is uh it's a very volatile situation, and you you when you have such large numbers of of weapons and you have you know, crazy people, uh, driven by radical ideologies. It's serious. Look, look what we're seeing now in in the PA, with all of the pressures on them, with all of the Taylor Force, everything else. We find out that they they've increased the pay to terrorists this year to four hundred and three million dollars as a $56 million more than the year before. And this means money to those who kill, those who, you know, attack, to their survivors or to the prisoners themselves, and and giving them raises in terms of the amounts of money uh, they're getting at the same time when the whole PA infrastructure is in free fall virtually, where you have the, you know, the talk of succession to a boss who's eighty three May have stomach cancer, though I'm not sure that it's true. Uh, and you see the fighting, the succession, where you have the Tanzin, you know, the, the quote, military arm of the Fatah, in in each area. You have Jibril Raju mobilizing them in Hebron. You have uh, Mahmoud Al Alul, who's the deputy and supposed successor, yeah, that's what uh, I thought. mobilizing in Nablus. You have in Janine them going off on their own. You have Majid Faraj, who's the uh, senior security official, uh, who's accused of being a collaborator because he's, he he coordinates security with israel but and has a lot of international support but he's doing it and then you see guys like al-alul and rajub who are fighting each other but are uniting against Kamdala, the prime minister and against Dahlan and you you see the, the, uh, then the introduction <laughs> that maybe Abbas really prefers Majid Faraj, who's the head of the um, General Intelligence Services in, in uh, the West Bank. Oh, areas. so that, that's
0: the real problem, is that he didn't make his, his, his preference of first successor known.
5: That's... Well, he, he's making many preferences known, and the question is whether he will be able to be the dictator. And, you know, the, there's going to be a meeting coming up of the uh, Palestinian legislative body, Palestinian uh, Council, and and uh, the National Council, on April 30th in Ramallah, this is the first time, in in of course many years, and the uh, the these so there are 18 members of the what is their top decision-making body, their their executive committee, and these are all older people, um, and uh, despite his health issues, he's really not. Chosen a successor, so this issue is going to be uh, a dominant one. And you, if they elect a new executive committee, it could be an indication of what direction this is uh, uh, going to take. Yeah, that's and funny. the number two now is Saeed Arakat, Ar- 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 who underwent a long transplant, and so people don't know how long he'll stay on the job. And as I said, Rajub and Alul seem to be. Uh, Uh, front-runners in a lot of this but yeah uh, other
0: candidates as well I thought most people who are writing about it uh, assume that all was the natural successor and by the way are there names for these different factions yet or they all just call each other the PA (laughs)
5: Oh. <laughs> they all part of the C.A., <laughs> I mean, right? But maybe they will break off and create independent countries. I would
0: think not countries, but at least factions, so we can keep track of them. I well, mean, they
5: have on. factions, but it's really it's based upon the individual and yeah, the right. you know the leader. Yeah, they're that, they're uh, they're known by they're, their leader's
0: name at this point, I guess.
5: That they're that they're backing, but also you know the the U.S. policy and the decisions on Jerusalem, other things are going to be. Uh, major issues and they they of course accuse the, the Trump administration of siding with israel and the they don't know yet what to expect from the peace plan process suggestions, whatever will ultimately emerge from uh, from the current discussions.
0: And they're not going to be happy if the president shows up in two months for the move of the embassy.
5: And they won't be happy for that, and they're not happy when they hear the declarations. Uh, Vice President Pence gave a powerful speech, um, you know, they, the, and so did, uh, of course, David Friedman, others from the administration, and Nikki Haley, all uh, a very positive tone, certainly reinforcing of the relationship. And uh, they see the changes in the region where the Arab countries, from the Gulf, from Saudi Arabia, the UAE, to Egypt, to others, the changing attitude towards Israel, the willingness to talk more openly about the potential connections, and if the reports are true, the fact that Air India will be able to do a direct flight over Saudi Arabia, which saves... About 20 hours wow. on the flight from um, from India to to Israel, which is a, a huge thing, and El Al, of course, now wants it as well. Right. But this is, uh, you know, there there are a lot of things that are happening. We still see, unfortunately, some of the broadcast, the hostile broadcasts. We want to see changes in um, in the media, and but. You can't deny the moves towards at least open declarations of moves towards tolerance, towards um, trying to contain the Islamists, to change the atmosphere within the countries, or changing the dress codes, uh, the requirements. You saw in Iran this young woman who took off the hijab Mm -hmm. was sentenced to two years in prison, whereas in Saudi Arabia you see others not only women driving but also saying that they don't have to wear uh, some of the clothing and and uh, etc. So. There, there are a lot of changes that are taking place in the region, and, and we have to know um, what the implications of each one. It's a, like a puzzle. By the way not pull the- out any one piece and then see the whole picture.
0: By the way, on the PA thing, tell them to direct their anger to Guatemala. They've expressed their interest in getting their embassy moved to ASAP.
5: Well, the ambassador, the uh, president Morales, whom I had the opportunity to meet, I went to visit him in Guatemala to encourage him to do this. And by the way, the Czech Republic the president yesterday said that he wants to move their embassy as well. Honduras is considering. People who do business in these countries should send messages, should reinforce it, should show, encourage them because that they they are getting obviously a lot of pressure and threats of boycotts by the Arab League and the Arab countries. Um, that, that we have to, to help and encourage it so that when the United States
0: makes the move, others will follow. Yeah, 100%. That's a, And there are people, and many think as you say that, you know, who's doing business there, you'd be surprised how many people in our community are doing business in those places. It would be a good idea to let people, especially those in influential positions, know how important it is to us. What do you think of the announcement by Prince William that he's heading to Israel?
5: Well, it is important. It's the first visit, I think, in 70 years uh, by Royal, and there's been an absolute ban. And as you know, there was uh, when Prince Charles came for President Paris's funeral, mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to talk to him because nobody else was. And he, was, he sat down in the front row, and I was there. Uh, and I started speaking to him and told him that I had just seen his grandmother's grave. Uh, Prince Alice, who uh, asked to be buried on the Mount of Olives in the Christian cemetery there. She was uh, designated one of the righteous amongst the Gentiles because she saved a Jewish family in her apartment during World War II. She was living in Greece. And um, uh, so some people say she was a Christian Zionist, others have other de- descriptions, but they, the, the royals were, weren't visiting. And he turned to me and he said, Well, can I see it from here? And I told him, no, but you can visit it from here. It's very close. You can go and see it. And I, it's really a beautiful setting. And he turned to Zayn finally and said, I want you to set it up. And they said, well, well, well. He said, no, I want to go and see it. And he went. <laughs> <That's unbelievable. laughs> so, no, of course, the next day, you know, the newspapers, you know, had headlines about it. Uh, but now this is an official visit. It'll go. They'll also go to... The PA and the to Jordan, uh, but it's uh, you know it is significant when uh, finally there will be a visit. It's long overdue. No question about that.
0: By the way, back on the PA, they're officially now a member of Interpol.
5: That's absolutely right, and there's a lot of concern being raised about it because now this will give them access to files yeah, of those mean, who are. Are
0: they the most rogue group that's now a member of Interpol?
5: a lot of people think all of Interpol is pretty rogue <laughs> That's and true. you know and they do have some history going back to World War II and et cetera, which raised many questions uh, but they, they they are now and just were admitted as a full participant which gives them access to the files and to information which a lot of people
0: are very wary about Yeah I can only reason. imagine I can only imagine Alright we're at the tail end here but I, and I, I don't know if there's a fast answer to this question but I, I wanted to make sure to ask you this week I, I mean I just don't I never can understand this reconciliation of the Russians of being defenders of Assad essentially helping him when necessary and nonetheless we keep seeing headlines about how how they meaning the Russians are helping the rebels how does how how, how does one how does it how does this work
5: Russia does whatever serves its purposes I don't know that they're really helping the rebels so much they I think that they are looking to protect their investments which especially is the naval base and the air force base at Tartus and, and uh... Latakia that they want uh, that they, they were backing Assad and came out winners in that regard and show that they as I said stand by their friends and send that message very clearly they uh, they cooperate with the Iranians they cooperate with whoever serves uh, the purpose. Remember, their investment there is minimal, their presence there is minimal, and yet he's been able to maximize the impact and the leverage of uh, of that minimal investment. And now looking to expand further with the base, perhaps in Sudan, a bases in, in other areas, um, looking at Libya. Um, if, if,
0: the, if Assad's future and his strength is in Russia's interest, isn't it strange that Russia... I understand, not to the degree that I think so, as you just explained, but they go out of their way to help those who are fighting Assad?
5: I don't think they go out of their way to do it. I think that they just do whatever they think fits their strategic um, calculation Mm. for the moment. And we know that they switch sides, but I I don't think that they're really helping very much on any front. What we are seeing is uh, a shifting of um, some of the activities, like the Kurds now fighting Turkey much more in, and less against ISIS and that sort of held back some of the US initiative in that regard they're saying but the the uh, and Turkey being much more aggressive in in its battle but the, the bombings etc against the, and some of the rebels defecting to the to the Kurds um at, at, into the fight against the Turkish forces so you know you have people shifting sides all the time, and in whatever is in their immediate interest. And often recruits go wherever the money is, whoever's paying most that month, and recruits them. They go to it. So Russia is really just being pragmatic, and they they he follows whatever is in his immediate interest, and that enables them to expand their uh, uh, their footprint.
0: Finally, would you like to see women's march leaders distance themselves from Louis Farrakhan?
5: Not what I would like. It, I think it's essential, and I think it's it's the means to all the purposes and the high and, uh, and lofty goals of any uh, any of these efforts. When somebody like that can, and members of Congress who have met with him should be disassociating with him. Some have already; uh, others should. I think that it's it's disgraceful that would not be tolerated by a racist and bigot of uh, of any color, that uh, to talk to him about as a great man, despite whatever he, his beliefs and what he says, this is um, it's really unacceptable, and there has to be a, a clear. And when they talk about double standards, they don't want it applied to in in terms of racism, bigotry, and other areas. It can't be tolerated in regard to this and the fact. That I hope that democratic leaders will take the initiative to speak out, some have, um, and the vast majority obviously do not uh, associate with them, but the, the hatred and the, the fact that, that um, people associated with it, and and you see the true colors uh, maybe of maybe Linda Sassoor and others come out when they, if they're not willing to take the stand and if they, you know, continue to defend their associations.
0: I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. Have a great job. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Friday morning, Arab Shabbos, candle lighting 536 in New York. Change the clock tomorrow night. Change the clock tomorrow night. We go ahead. 2 a.m. will become 3 a.m. Two weeks' worth of a six-hour time difference with Israel. That'll switch on the 23rd of March when Israel goes to daylight savings time. It'll go back to a seven-hour time difference. Difference J M and A M Friday this time each and every Friday every era of Shabbos with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden.
6: Good morning, Nachum. Good Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of completing Sefer Shmos. This Shabbos we take out two Sifrei Torah. In the first one we read of Parshos Vayakel and Pekude, which according to the Chinuch have one mitzvah and that is found in Vayakel. It is a lo a restriction of literally lo sevaru ish b'chol voshechem which interestingly according to our rabbis is taken to mean that there's not to be a punishment of Bezdin on Shabbos. A lot to be said about that verse, including the fact that according to Rav Gaon, interestingly, the bracha that women recite, or for that matter, when men light Shabbos candles, the bracha of Lahadlik Ner, shall Shabbos, listen carefully now, where did this come about? According to Rav Gaon, very interestingly, there was a time that the Karaites, in the time of the Gaonim, between 750 and 1000, they took the Torah literally. They only believed in the written Torah. And they said, look, the Torah says you're not to." Light a fire in your homes on Shabbos. And they took that to mean that Shabbos is to be dark and Shabbos is to be cold. And that creates a certain tone of Shabbos. And we believe the Chachamim just the opposite. On Shabbos you can't light. But we intentionally light from before, and we have Chamin, we have Chont, we have hot food on Shabbos, not just in the winter time when we appreciate it more, but even in the summertime. It shows our belief and acceptance of Torah Shabal Peh to have hot food on Shabbos. This Shabbos we take out tomorrow, a second Sefer Torah, And we read from it the 19th chapter of Bamidbar, and this is Parshas Parah. We read of the Parah Adumah. Ostensibly, what we are doing is we're making an announcement, and we are saying, listen up everybody, Purim is behind us, Pesach is coming, we need to become pure in order to bring the Karban Pesach. Unfortunately, today, when we don't yet have the third base HaMikdash, we cannot, but Unashal Moporim literally our studying about it, our reading about it, should be looked upon by God as if we actually brought and went through the purification of the Korban Pesach, because everybody has to participate in the Korban Pesach, and we can only do so if we are pure, tahor having gone to a funeral been under the same roof as a deceased touched a deceased um, these render a person tomei and the only way that a person b- can rid themselves of this tuma impurity is by having the ash and the water of the co- of the paraduma sprinkled upon us um, there's another parallel Reason for our uh, reading Parshas Porah, and that is that instead of reading once again the incident of the Egel last week from Parshas Kisisa, the rabbis were good to us, and with our reading of Parshas Porah, we fulfill that which the Torah. Tells us to remember how we angered Hashem in the midbar and referring to the Chetor Egel. And that's why Rashi, at the end of his uh, commentary, on Parshas Chukas at the end of chapter 19, Rashi goes to explain how let the mother, which is the cow, come to atone and clean up the mess that was made by her young, namely the calf. The para aduma helps us atone for the sin of the Egel Hazov. I'd like, however, to present another uh, understanding of the Para Aduma and let me just give a little bit of a brief introduction. In Koheles at the end of last Pasuk in chapter seven, Shlomo Melech writes that we should be aware that Asher es Yashar, God made man Yashar, perfectly upright, ouch but But they, man, sought many intrigues. What does that mean? It means that he created Hashem a perfect world. Hashem, man keeps looking for, for lack of a better way of saying, trouble. Now, the Chassid Yavits in his commentary on... Pirkei Avos, chapter 5, Mishnah 7, which lists the ten miracles that occurred daily in the Beis HaMikdash, asks, why did Hashem need to display open miracles? It goes against His nature. After all, He is Kale Mistator. He is a hidden God. And therefore, says the Chassid Yavis, a most intriguing answer, namely, to demonstrate that ideally there is... A perfect harmony between Torah, man, and nature. So, for example, in chapter 2 of Bereshus, we read of the Garden of Eden that Hashem planted in this world, and the Midrash presents a utopian existence in that environment whereby man's spiritual existence was primary and his physical necessities were cared for from. On high. Now, I'm not going to go around to each person listening, but do you really believe, come on, that there was a Gan Eden? So, lest one doubt the feasibility and reality of such an existence, the supernatural miracles present in the base Migdosh on a constant basis. Was a clear reminder to us of that perfect harmony between Torah and nature? The answer is yes, there was a Ganid and Eden. And thus, when the Torah writes in the beginning of Parsha Tzav that Ish. To That the fires on the altar shall remain aflame, and they shall not be extinguished. Nature responds in kind. And therefore, a heavy downfall of rain might have put out a fire next door to the Beis HaMikdash, around the corner from the Beis HaMikdash, but did not extinguish the fires on the Mizbeach of the Beis HaMikdosh. Let's go further. After Cain kills Hevel, Cain is afraid for his life, and he proclaims, as we find in chapter 4 of Beratius, Whoever is going to meet me, for your comots e hargeni, will kill me. Oh my, I'll ask you, who, might you ask, is Cain afraid of? After all, the only humans alive are his family. And while his parents might have, quote-unquote, wanted to kill him, right? However, they would not literally do so. Who's going to kill kayan The Ramban answers that kayan was afraid of the animals. Why? They were so upset at kayan for having disturbed the perfect harmony between Torah and nature. When the Torah prohibits murder, and by man committing murder, kayan polluted, polluted the environment, and thus Hashem had to place a sign on his forehead warning the animals not to kill kayan because ideally there is a perfect balance. Now with this background, I believe we can understand and appreciate the insight of the Be'er Yosef, that's Rabbi Yosef Salant Zatzal, who cites the Medrash in Bamidbor Rabbah, chapter 19, paragraph 6, that Hashem revealed the reason for the enigma of the Paraduma of the red heifer, to Moshe, and only to Moshe. Now the wise King Solomon, in Koheles, chapter 7, pasuk 23, said, I thought I could be wise, but it is beyond me that he The Medrash understands this pasuk as an expression of the frustration of Shlomo HaMelech. And if, as the Medrash continues, and in the future... In Messianic times, the reason of this mitzvah will be public knowledge. Then why did Hashem conceal the rationale of the paraduma from us? And what is this enigma? The enigma simply stated is that the ashes of the red heifer mixed with water are sprinkled on an individual, man or woman, who is impure as a result of contact with a dead body or under the same roof as a deceased. And indeed, the utensils in the home where a dead body is also contract impurity and require the ashes and water of the paraduma sprinkled upon it. Now, the sprinkling by a Kohen on the impure individual on day three and day seven was that which affected and brought about and converted their impurity to make them pure. But at the same time, the Kohen, who did the, literally, the sprinkling, he became impure. How are we to understand this mitamei to and mitaher to And the answer is, we can't. So the Bar Yosef suggests that by our participating by our engaging in a mitzvah that is beyond our comprehension, but clearly divinely legislated, this can help us respond and accept the circumstances and happenings, namely death, that are equally difficult to understand. In last week's parsha of Kisisa, in chapter 33, Moshe asked to... Let me see Hashem. Now, obviously, we know that Moshe is not asking to see Hashem. This is understood by the Talmud brachos, that Moshe was requesting to understand Hashem, and specifically, why it is that righteous individuals suffer, and not yet good individuals prosper. So, listen carefully. We utilized, when we had a base on Migdash the ashes of the parah, Regularly, every time a person went to a funeral, sat Shmira, participated in Hevra Kadisha, they became tome impure. Now the frequent utilization of these ashes helped the medicine go down. Meaning, just as one cannot understand the mitzvah of the paraduma, so too... Often one cannot understand the circumstances and the timeliness of the cause for this mitzvah. And just as we accept the chok, the statue of the Pura, knowing its divine origin, so too do we accept circumstances and situations knowing that they too are divinely ordained. And thus, in the imperfect world that we now live in, we need the Efer para as a kind of catharsis to aid our spiritually challenging wounds. And so, let us understand that the Midrash says, please God, in the future we will understand what the purpose of this mitzvah is all about. It was only given to Moshe, but we will know in the future. But the bottom line is that our reading about it and studying about it has to have a practical effect upon us. Number one, it bolsters our amuna. While we cannot understand all, we submit to his higher authority. And this is most crucial all year long, but especially as we approach the Chag HaPesach, the Para Duma humbles us, which helps us put Him, Hashem, at the center of our universe and not ourselves. And thus I pray that our reading and studying of Pasha's Para, this Shabbos, will not only be a fulfillment of Unashamu Parim Svaseinu, as if we actually brought it, but it should inspire us to greater bitachon. To know that we don't know, but at the same time to know that he does and he is directing the show at Bias Hagoel. Shabbat Shalom and Shabbat Chazak to all.
0: Jam in the AM Friday morning at Shalshelas, Arif Shabbos, Parshas, Vayakel, and Pakude, also Parshas Parah. In the interest of time, since I'm so anxious to get our conversation with her by fast started, we will not go to his usual theme song, but I will remind you that it, of course, includes the words of Making Aliyah, and that's the focus is coming Sunday when the Nefesh Benefesh mega event takes place in John Jay College in New York City. Mega is now its official nickname, I could say. Maybe unofficial, but it's certainly the way people refer to it because it's mega. It's gigantic with thousands of people. Uh, So many, of course, showing an interest in uh, heading to Israel from North America at some point in the near future. Rabbi Yehoshua Fass is, of course, the co-founder and director of Nefesh B'Nefesh, and he's with us live via telephone from these parts as he's already in town getting ready for Sunday's event, Rabbi Fest, welcome back to JM in the AM.
7: Good morning. So great to hear your voice. I was
0: thinking. Uh, I was. I'm sorry.
7: No, I'm just saying hear your voice, and it's not like afternoon, and I'm rushing someplace. I'm <laughs> like
0: your your time. Yeah, this is not your evening commute. That's right. No, it's great. Um. Well, I was wrong, and you were right. I was wrong what? in that I, I always felt, and I've said this to God knows how many times over the years, that there'll be a point where we will see, uh, naturally so, because of the incredible number of people who have already moved from North America to Israel over the last 15 years, naturally so we'd see a decrease in the numbers that uh, take an interest in an event like the mega each and every year. You said no. You said you believe the exact opposite, that this snowball effect will just continue to snowball, will continue to ripple. And sure enough, uh, based on what Mark Rosenberg told us really, really early this week, because I'm sure it's been much more since then. Our registration is uh, nearing record-breaking numbers for this coming Sunday. So you were right, and congratulations on the record-breaking numbers.
7: Thank you so much. No, I, I, as we've had this debate for, for a bunch of years, I think that the conveyor belt of Zionist expression in North America, institutions, organizations, camps, shuls, uh, produce a certain amount of interest every single year. If you couple that with individuals who thrive in Israel and success breeds success, I think adding those two components together, you have a catalyst for for really steady growth. And 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 we see it. We see it in the numbers of interest. We see it in the numbers of
0: Oh, Rabbi, are you there? Rabbi Fass. Oh, please don't tell me we've lost the connection to Rabbi Fass, especially when he's here in the U.S. <laughs> it's one thing. It's what we did lose the connection it's one thing when we lose the connection Rabbi fast when he's in israel traveling on uh you know on, on Kvish sheish but to lose him it's 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 ironic right it's unbelievable <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> we can't, we can't, we can't even blame this one on Bezek, which is my go-to usually. I'm sitting in Manhattan <laughs> and I'm calling the studio. He's a mile. get disconnected. He's a mile away from the studio, folks. Can you imagine? <laughs> anyway, so so you were I'm saying sorry. you were saying that in fact all of that uh, contributes to an increased uh, awareness and interest in Alia. Yeah,
7: absolutely. It's pretty much. And Sunday uh, is one of those uh, really beautiful days. There are some days, and we've talked about it, there are a few days during the year that you're just blown away by the enormity of inspiration and the enormity of just Zionist expression, um, the charter flights, obviously, Yom Si when we have that day for lone soldiers. Right. And the mega event is one of those. You walk into John Jay campus on Sunday, March 11th, a couple of days from now, and you see close to 2,000 people and these are adults uh, representing families or themselves. So we're talking about large numbers being represented there in that day. And they're, and they're there. And they're there for three different reasons. And each of those different reasons I think I'm very moved by and I'm, moved, and I'm blown away by. There's those who are coming. Tachlis, they've made their mind up. They want to move to Israel. And they have their date, their Aliyah or bus date that they're going to move in 12 months or 18 months and they're coming just to get the logistics and the details and to and to make their move a little bit more strategically planned there are those who are sitting on the fence, the second category, and they're coming to really get back to increase their Aliyah confidence so they just make the move okay. and the third, which is an equally inspiring group of individuals, are people who do not have plans um, to move to Israel in the near future, even in the, the long term it's, but they express that they need to be there because it's a value. It's a value. Um, I met a family um, last year, a couple uh, with their little kids in tow, and I went to them. I said, "How can I help you? You know, which 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 seminar track do you want to you want to take today? The fast track of making Aliyah this summer, or two year planning?" And like, no, we don't have any track or plans to make Aliyah, but we know we should. We should. And we're here today because it's a value, and and we need to be moved by yeah, it. And yeah. and I was so moved by that um, by that expression. Yeah,
0: you know, it's uh, funny. It's funny. Twenty years ago, I used to go to Israel real estate shows for that very same reason. People would say, "Oh, where do you want to buy an apartment?" Nah, I, I can't buy an apartment. I just I just feel I gotta. Connect with Israel. <laughs> this is uh, no. This well, th- when we were younger,
7: enough when we went to the to you know solidarity for Russian parades or rallies, right. our parents left us there, or we went on our own because we felt that it was a value. The right. value of achdut, of unity, of standing up for a fellow Jew. And, and there are very few expressions today that parents take out their kids to express values in our lives or ideals in our lives. And 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 to see families coming who don't have a detailed, structured plan of moving to Israel, but they want to be surrounded by by 2,000 other individuals who are expressing an interest, alias in so that it just rubs off on them or their kids, to show that this phenomenon is still alive, that it's not just a dream stuff, but it's a reality. I think that's extremely meritorious.
0: Rabbi Yoshua is with us, nbn.org.il. All the info is there. You can certainly register now. For Sunday's mega event, it's at John Jay College in Manhattan. We'll be there, of course. One of our greatest thrills is broadcasting from there. We'll be doing it at 1 p.m. Eastern Time this coming Sunday. You'll find all of the uh, broadcast on the homepage of Everybody, And of course, audio on our network and on our app. And everybody out there should be uh, watching, should be tuning in. But most importantly, you should be coming down to John Jay College this coming Sunday and checking out what it would be like to start the process with your family moving from North America to Israel. It's uh, 15 years later with Nefesh B'Nefesh, and they are a proven commodity. They've done this, and they've done it well for a long time, and they are not letting up now. By the way, on the subject of not letting up, I assume this is the largest number of seminars and specialty lectures that you've ever presented at Omega. Yeah,
7: it's a little bit crazy. It's insane. <laughs> it's, it's seminar on steroids. The um, uh, we've... We wanted to have as much specificity of of programming of interest to play to the different crowds. Um, There are are lots of different crowds that are coming. You have old and young. um, You have different professions. You have families and singles. You have religious and secular. So we want to make sure that everyone feels embraced and everyone gets the information that they need and everyone gets the respect that they are due. And uh, we've created uh, a very multiple-tiered programming for the day. And if you wake up Sunday morning and you have it registered and you're like, you know what? We should have registered. We should go just walk in. Right. Last year we had close to 350 people who just without registration just walked in. It's easy, it takes a few minutes when you get there to register and just roam the halls, just uh see the different faces who are interested in making aliyah.
0: Uh, By the way, um, oh, I'm sorry.
7: No, I mean, last year, we, we, every single year, you've been at some of these encounters, every single year we've had some individuals who, you know, they've, they've exposed them, you know, their plans publicly, and we've had many siblings who actually bumped into each other in the hallway, and neither of them knew the other person's plans. Well, this is to each other. Don't tell the Imanaba.
0: This, this <laughs> is the ongoing routine here. It's it's the yeah. topic we always bring up when discussing Sunday, and it's sort of like people who come over to us. You know, please don't tell anybody I was here. Yeah, you have nothing to worry about. There's nobody around. There's no photographers. <laughs> nobody will know that you're here. And it's not only the family and friends, by the way. It's employers as well who they want to make sure to keep it a secret from. So of it is course. it is pretty funny and pretty interesting to watch people's desire and values take over the you know the practical aspect of trying to keep all of this a secret. Uh they want no, to make it's,
7: sure. it it's funny cuz when when I go out to dinner with with my family in Israel we are constantly bothered by by not bothered but approached right. by Olim telling us their aliyah stories remember me I was on plane playing you know 20 you know? but here when I go out here to a restaurant it's so quiet because people are scared to come over to me <laughs> <laughs> because they're worried that if they start a conversation, just about anything, people start rubric in, in the restaurant that they're planning on Alias. So, uh, That's great. I should, they- I should come here more often. I actually have an undisturbed dinner.
0: <laughs> they avoid and you. And people on- who know me, I'm waving to them. They, don't, they, know, they go for me and walk over to my table. <laughs> And not, not only that, they're convinced you might convince them to make aliyah yeah. <laughs> on, uh, on top of people spreading rumors about that, That's hilarious. By the so way, very,
7: very quiet nights last <laughs> couple of
0: days. By the way, everybody, keep in mind that this time around, Nefesh Benefesh has encouraged the young professionals and the younger people out there to come toward the latter part of the day when they've really uh, stepped up these seminars and lectures for that age group and that group in general starting at 1 p.m. And one of the reasons is because they have a great night planned, a wonderful, I believe it's free, right, a free night activity uh, planned for the young professionals and those in that age group, uh, which will start at 5 p.m. in Manhattan. So you can make a really amazing afternoon and evening of it. uh, If you check it out on the web, you'll see all the details. Go to nbn.org.il, nbn.org.il. And one other note, because this audience, as everyone knows, is all over the place in terms of geography, you are heading, in addition to New York, this coming week, Montreal, Toronto, and Los Angeles will all have similar mega-type events, so people in right. those cities and those areas can do what the New Yorkers and New Jerseyans are going to be doing this Sunday, and that's attend a mega-like event. So again, all the information right. on the website, nbn.org.il. So there you have it. Rabbi Fass, I look forward to seeing you Sunday. Can't wait. And can't wait. I also can't wait, and the spirit in the room is amazing. Everybody out there, Rabbi Fast's third category today is the one that's going to stick with me the entire Shabbos, the people that understand the value of of taking their family to experience the values of Israel and Aliyah, where at John Jay College that's right you can actually feel it there this coming Sunday during the NBN Mega Event it's free so you may as well take advantage bring your family and let them start exploring the amazing uh, the, the amazing uh, reality that the future of the, the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel. Tadaraba Rabbi eh, eh, Fass. Oh, I'm sorry. My,
7: my absolute pleasure and Shabbat shalom to you and to all your listeners. And uh, hopefully we'll see many of you on Sunday.
0: Yes, Bezrat Hashem Tadaraba. There he is, Rabbi Ah, oh, amazing. Time to say good Shabbos. Believe it or not, candle lighting in the New York area. Five thirty-six. Five thirty-six candle lighting in the New York area. We will change the clock tomorrow night and go to daylight savings time. Keep that in mind. Sunday, live from the Mega Event at 1 p.m. Matis J.M. Sunday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at J.M. the Am. The
1: sun is going down. It's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by. Become a memory. So throw away your hammer. There's nothing left to do. Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good job Cause all your work is done I'm Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup That's filled with wine Man and his creator It's a very special sign Your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Oh. It's time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator is a very special
8: sign Thank you.
1: spend
0: My our brothers and sisters in Israel. We are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard and listened to sponsored digital radio. Around the world and the web at NachimSingle.com on the Single Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Coming up next, Table for Two with Naomi Nachman. she welcome Royal Wine's Gabe Geller and Keiko's Pessie Einhorn to the show. Don't forget, Naomi has an amazing cookbook for Pesach. It's called Perfect for Pesach. Check it out. Don't forget, Monday, speaking of books... Charlie Harari with the brand-new book, Unlocking Greatness. Charlie Harari this coming Monday here at JM in the AM. Uh, coming up next is Table for Two. Then uh, the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek. Then the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix all the way until candlelighting time. Saturday Night Seagull, Tomorrow Night with rummy featuring by Eliezer Zwickler. Sunday, J.M. Sunday with Matis starts at 7 a.m. Eastern time. We're live from the mega event with Nefesh Benefesh at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Um, Monday, we're back. J.M. the at 6 a.m. with um, Charlie Harari. Don't forget, we will announce Monday the situation regarding the Yeshiva League basketball and hockey finals. Make sure to be tuned in Monday morning here to J.M. and the A.M. And don't forget to change the clock tomorrow night, everybody. Have a fabulous Shabbos. It's a great weekend. Until uh, Monday, Nachum. Until Sunday at Nefesh Ben and Then Monday, Nachum, to remind the you: remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.